Hey there, and welcome to your weekly episode of I Didn't Sign Up For This with Allison Casanova and myself, Jade Shaw. We are both licensed marriage and family therapists here in the Bay Area of California. Whether you're a practitioner yourself or just interested in topics around mental health and therapy, join us here for some real and honest conversations. Please note that this podcast is not a replacement for therapy or medical advice. Any questions about your specific situation should be directed to your own therapist or primary care physician. Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of our podcast, I Didn't Sign Up For This. Today, we are talking about transitions and what to expect from certain transitions um, and how to manage them. So we wanted to talk about this topic because... Allison and I sort of realized that, you know, transitions are hard and a lot of times people don't really expect how difficult transitions can be. Even small transitions can sort of disrupt your normal day. So we wanted to dive in a little bit deeper and talk about some specific transitions, specific situations that might come up. And then at the end, we'll talk about different things that you can do to manage those transitions and help make them a little bit smoother. So we're going to be talking about a few different sort of scenarios. Uh, The first one we'll dive into is going to be transitions between seasons. So that time between like winter and summer and also transitioning into the holidays. And then we'll talk a little bit about school and work transitions. We'll talk about relationships and the different transitions you might see in both romantic and platonic relationships. And then we'll talk about life transitions and daily transitions. So things that you might encounter in your day-to-day life that might come up. And then we will get into the ways to manage these different transitions at the very end. Yeah, I think one of the things that Jade and I were discussing while we were coming up with what to talk about today was that major life transitions, I think, are a little bit more obvious, right? So when we are dealing with something uh, like a divorce or something really big like graduation, those things are kind of obvious that they're going to affect us maybe a little bit more. But when we, we look at the other transitions that maybe aren't as big, like going from from your morning to your afternoon, sometimes we don't give ourselves enough credit for how it can impact us depending on what exactly it is. And that's maybe one of the things that we can talk a little bit more when we're talking about ways to manage the different transitions. But I wanted to to add that on uh, because I think we don't often give ourselves credit for the big, big things that happen because they don't seem as big as the other things, even though they impact us in a similar way. Yeah, absolutely. I think that people, like you said, see big transitions and think, oh my goodness, you know, this is a major life change and it it seems like a big thing, but those sort of smaller details do get overlooked and they do sort of add on to the stress that people hold on to. So the first one that we're going to get into uh, is seasons. So I bring this up because holidays, obvious, right? When you're transitioning into the holidays, I think whether it's good or bad stress, it can be stressful just because of the many different things that come up during the holidays for each person. We touched maybe a little bit on some of that stuff last um, week, but for the seasons too. So for example, going from the winter 
to the summer, I think, is maybe one that isn't as obvious as going into winter from the summer. And that one, it can be kind of overwhelming for some people, especially if you are somebody who is in school and you're not doing summer school. So you were just in school and you were doing a a lot of scheduled things like maybe if you're in a sport or you have a play or you are studying in school and your schedule is just super packed and then all of a sudden you don't have anything for the summer. Uh, For people too who work and are maybe that maybe their busy season is winter and then their slow season is the summer, sometimes it can be really overwhelming to know what to do with all the extra time that you have. For some people, it's awesome. Relaxing, they know exactly what to do with it, but for there are those people out there who struggle with not having a plan on how to handle that extra time. So then going into the holidays, I think that one maybe is a little bit more obvious, right? So we are in school or we're in work and we're busy and we're doing all these things and now all of a sudden we get this break but there's so many other things that are coming up with it too you know buying presents uh, going to parties planning for different uh, events that you're maybe hosting so I don't know if you want to maybe talk a little bit more about the transitions but those are the two that are maybe coming up for me I realize that there is fall spring winter and summer (laughs) but those are like the two biggest ones I think that um that I can see people struggling with the most. Yeah, that's funny that you bring up, you realize there are other seasons because, you know, we live in California and so other states, I think, joke that we don't really have seasons. Um, But yes, we do realize that other seasons do exist, at least outside of California. (laughs) Easy 70 all the way. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I like that you bring up that idea of sort of a change in schedule going from either having a lot to do to having to find a way to sort of fill that space because you know I was just talking to somebody this morning about how somebody that she knows is going through a situation where she's sort of having to fill in time and that's been really difficult sort of like refining out what your interests are what your hobbies are things like that Um, and another thing that comes up for me or another thing that comes to mind for me is the change in weather, right? Again, I realize we're in California, but still sort of a gloomier day versus a sunny day and finding a way to adapt to those different seasons and temperatures and even how the day looks. You know, I think a lot of times our moods are affected by the weather. So those things do change um, season to season. And daylight savings, even though maybe that's not going to be a thing anymore. Yeah, right. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) <laughs> time will tell but yeah the, the it gets darker naturally right in the winter and so I think for people who wake up early and they're waking up with the sun sometimes maybe now they're waking up and it's dark outside or maybe mm-hmm. if they get off of work maybe later than the typical person and they're getting off when it's still sunny outside maybe now they're getting off and it's dark outside so sometimes it can kind of change change your mood one of my colleagues was telling me a little while ago that they were saying that they feel like they want to go to bed sooner now and they get tired now more because it's darker mm-hmm. and I think that 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 is a thing it does definitely has an effect just on you as a person in your your energy level mm-hmm. and I was going to add on to what you were saying yes okay so California is 
pretty <laughs> standard. But because we adapt to it, it, it is really cold, right? For us. Yes. I mean, maybe if you're in a place that has uh, extreme, more extreme weather, like you get snow. And I know we don't hear unless you're in Tahoe or up in the mountains. Sometimes you can get a little snow depending on where you are. That, even though we don't have that maybe here in the Bay, it's still colder than regular summer mm-hmm. I think maybe in the summer we get like one week that's super hot and then the rest is <laughs> pretty regular <laughs> and then in the winter we get a little bit a few weeks right that are super cold and then it's you know kind of evens out that but it, it still definitely has an effect on you because you're used to it oh yeah anything less than 70 degrees and I'm in a parka with wool socks <laughs> <laughs> hey I broke out my Uggs uh last week so yeah I hear you <laughs> Oh, gosh. So a couple other thoughts that came up for me sort of bridge us nicely into the schoolwork transition that we wanted to talk about. So I'm just going to jump right into that. Um, And I think that this does sort of relate to that change in schedule, right? When you're in school, you do have that transition of being busy with classes and homework and all these other things to do. And then you transition to summer vacation, maybe. And while I think that this is a really great thing for the students and something they look forward to, I really often hear that it is a more difficult transition for parents, right? Because they now have to fit this free time that their kids have into their schedule that doesn't really change. Like They don't get that summer break typically, right? Unless you work in the school system or mm-hmm. have a job with really excellent PTO, maybe. <laughs> And depending on what kind of student you are and how old you are, I don't think I hear this from the little ones as often as I maybe hear it from the teens, mm-hmm. but being productive, right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I just had all this stuff that I had to do for school and now I get to relax and maybe after a couple of days, I, I'm starting to think like, should I be doing my homework? I know I don't have any, but there's this urge to do something because yeah. I was so used to doing something. I hear it a lot from college students too. Yeah. Again, that idea of what do I now fill my time with? What were my interests when I had time? Sort of a moment to rediscover yourself. But I do Mm -hmm. think that this brings up for a lot of people this idea of, like you said, I've got to be doing something or... Our culture is just... I think that's just part of our culture, right? Like if you go somewhere, if if you're into traveling and you go somewhere maybe on the other side of the world, let's say European culture. I know over there, they're a lot, they're just a lot more relaxed. That's just their culture. Mm-hmm. They don't always have to go, 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 go all the time. Even in different places in the United States too, it's not always like that. I think that's more of a East Coast and a really West Coast thing to be super productive all of the time. Yeah, I have heard, I have heard that, that things are, you know, different, even in different areas of this country in terms of that lifestyle I definitely think that here in the Silicon Valley there is and I hear this a lot from clients too there is this pressure to constantly be doing something and if they take that time to themselves or for whatever reason there is a transition and they do have a break in time they feel really almost bad about themselves yeah guilty that they're not doing something they're not being productive you know I'm they sort of feel like it's a waste of time. So I I do think that that is something that comes up in transitions. Can we do an episode on self-care? I feel like that would be a really good episode to do. 
Yeah. Just to give yourself some compassion and give yourself time to relax. There should be a balance there of play and work. It's so important when you're little. And I think we forget as adults that it's also just as important. It just looks different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Alice and I had talked a little bit yesterday about like the pressures of living in the Bay Area and all the different things that arise with that. And so that's like a whole tangent that I could get off on. But um, I know that you had other thoughts about the school work transitions and like the different transitions that you might see. I think a big one that often gets overlooked. This is one of those bigger ones I think that sometimes we, we feel aren't as big is the transition from different grades in school. So maybe, you know, you're going from third grade to fourth grade, or you're going from maybe a sophomore to a junior. Mm-hmm. You might not feel like it's as big as maybe going from eighth grade to now you're in high school. But I think that equally, they all have some kind of weight, whether you're going to a different school or not. And of course, if you're going to a brand new school, it's going to be a little bit bigger. But just going from the different grade levels, there's different things that are now expected of you that weren't expected of you before. You have new teachers, you have a new schedule. It is a lot. And so sometimes I'll hear uh, kids or teenagers telling me, you know, I'm just... I feel kind of drained and I don't really know why. Like I had all this energy going into school and now I'm just tired. It, it was a big transition. Give yourself a break. Mm-hmm. And I think too with work, right? Like you might be changing jobs or you have a, a new position or maybe a new title. And even though it might be something you're used to doing, maybe it's in your same field, it's still a lot when you're changing what you're doing so it could be overwhelming giving yourself that understanding and that compassion to just be tired or feel whatever it is that you're feeling about it It, even if it's a good transition it can still be stressful yeah any sort of change includes having to navigate your new role and maybe a new routine I've heard people talk about you know if they get a promotion at work and are now the boss of people that they used to be sort of equals with and how that can bring up a lot of sort of turmoil right because you're now their boss um, mm-hmm. so even how school and work transitions can affect your relationships with other people and how that sort of contributes to how you know yourself how you understand yourself how you interact with other people I think that really entails a lot and this is sort of bouncing all over the place, but in talking about school transitions and like the difference between changing from one grade to another. So funny, a little self-disclosure about me. I went to undergrad at San Jose State, which is probably like 15 minutes away from where I grew up. And even just in my first week of undergrad, I didn't know anybody. Like there's these gaps that you have between classes and it's, you know, a bigger campus than you're used to. It's a new place, a new environment. So I remember getting out of one of my classes and I sat down on the bench and I called one of my friends and I think I may have been crying and I was like, I don't know anybody here. I don't know what to do. Like I have two hours. I don't know what to do with myself. So yeah, it was, you know, and I was 15 minutes away from home. It's not like I had gone far, 
but definitely looking back, that was a big transition for me, you know, just being in a new environment with a schedule that I wasn't used to and not being near people that I knew. And it was a really big thing for myself and even a few friends that I made like, okay, now it's okay to eat by yourself. A year ago in high school, if you ate by yourself, there's sort of this like negative view about it, you know? Yeah. And I think in college, it's, it's actually not frowned upon no. when you're eating by yourself. I think people are just like, oh, yeah, you do you. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it is. It's a completely different um, situation. I'm glad that you brought that up because for some people it is it is maybe obvious that it's overwhelming, mm-hmm. even though you might not give yourself understanding for it because, like you said, you were really close to home, so you didn't really feel like it was that big. But it, it's huge mm-hmm. because it's it's a brand-new experience. And then for... Other people who maybe feel like they have it under control and they're doing all this stuff that they normally don't get to do and they're really happy about it, but maybe they're feeling like a piece is missing or maybe they're feeling really exhausted and they don't understand why, giving yourself credit because it is, it's a huge, even if you traveled across the country and you were going to school somewhere else, that's still really huge, Mm -hmm. even if it's right down the street from your house, Mm -hmm. because it's a brand new, it's a brand new event that you're, that you're now welcoming into your life that you weren't welcoming in before. Yeah. Yes. Just to sort of expect that some feelings of unease might arise, you know, some discomfort, even a change in mood. I think that, like Allison said earlier, these transitions can be positive and they can be things that we want to happen, but they can still feel overwhelming. And, you know, that may affect your mood. And like I was saying, how you interact with people might shift a little bit as well. I think too, when we're not looking forward to a change, it maybe is a little bit more obvious to recognize that it's having an impact on us. There's going to be a lot more stress there. You're going to feel a lot more anxious or you might even feel annoyed or irritated when it's stress because it's something that we are looking forward to. I think that's when we're maybe not always giving ourselves the credit that we need to deal with it because we feel like it's something we like. So why is it going to be stressful? Yeah, absolutely. There's a idea that this is a positive thing. I should only be excited about it. I should only have positive feelings and positive effects from it. And then for some people, you know, you realize one day that you're actually stressed. I think, so this is totally off the topic of school and work, but I think this is something that we see with people planning weddings or getting ready to have kids is absolutely this is a very exciting life change it's something that i want to happen um yeah i'm ready for it but there is a lot of stress that comes along with it as well and sort of preparation that brings a lot of change into your life it's definitely a transition stress is stress even if it's good stress i just think that we are maybe more accustomed to the bad stress yeah (laughs) yeah definitely um so the next thing that we wanted to talk about, which I think we sort of hinted at earlier uh, when talking about school and work, and we even talked about it in the the change between seasons, was relationships and transitions that you might see in relationships, both romantic and platonic friendships. So, you know, some of the sort of obvious transitions that you might encounter in a romantic relationship or a platonic relationship are you know, either getting into that new relationship or coming out of that relationship. 
those are probably the ones that we think about most commonly and are sort of more understanding to when it comes to changes and having responses to those. So we could probably get into a whole episode in itself talking about the different changes and things to expect when you're talking about changes in relationships. So to sort of focus on some of the less obvious ones, you know, we can look at things that you might experience when somebody you care about is experiencing something or going through something. You know, I think that when we deeply care about somebody, we can sort of take on a lot of that emotion and a lot of that experience. And that in turn affects our mood and our sort of experience of their experience, I guess, is a way to say it. So even if, you know, a partner is changing jobs or going through something in their work or school life and they're experiencing that stress, that might affect us as well. Does that make sense? Yes. And and also too, just to add on to that, I think depending on what your relationship is with that person, it can affect you in other ways too. So say for example, you are living with this person, whether it's like a roommate, it's um, a friend, it's your partner, it's maybe even your parents and they lose a job. Okay. So now if you were one of the people that was contributing to the finances, or maybe you're not, and you, they were the sole person that was contributing to that, that's going to add a whole different kind of stress now because things are going to shift as a result of losing a job. Or maybe you have somebody who in your family recently died and maybe you weren't very close to them and you didn't know them that well. Maybe it was like a distant cousin, but maybe your parent was very close to them. So now you're going to, you're going to feel for them too. Mm -hmm. And it's similar to if this person, maybe you're dating somebody and they had an argument with somebody in their family. You don't really maybe know that person as well, but just be feeling it with them and how maybe they're treating you as a result. Maybe they're just different. Maybe they're not interacting with you the same because they're sad, or maybe unfortunately they're taking it out on you because they're really upset. I think it it can bring so much to the relationship, even if you're not just feeling what they're feeling to an extent because you care about them, but also because of how they're interacting with you. Yeah, definitely. That what they're bringing into the relationship and the way that they're interacting with you, how that changes sort of the dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you had talked about, for example, roommates and how perhaps their situation sort of changes and how that affects you. And that sort of brought up another thought to me in terms of people who are friends with somebody and then they end up living together and how that changes the relationship too. Mm -hmm. Like even just Mm -hmm. that transition before getting into all the financial aspects, you know, you really have to learn how to be with that person in a different way. And I think this really relates to our last episode in terms of like boundaries. So I'm going to try not to get into that again, but it is for sure a change. Whether that's a romantic relationship that you're moving to the next level and moving in together and navigating that or friendship. Mm -hmm. It really does change. Just it impacts the relationship because it can make or break the friendship, I think, Mm -hmm. if you don't necessarily have that solid foundation and you guys don't have that communication set forth and the boundaries and the expectations there, it, it can definitely have an impact on your relationship. I, I hear it a lot and I've even experienced that too in college, right? Because you, mm-hmm. you 
in college, even though maybe it's a little different because you're not, maybe if you're living in the dorm, there are different responsibilities compared to living maybe in an apartment off campus. But in college, that's something everybody can relate to in a dorm because we've all had to live with people if you, if you, were living in camp on campus and that was your experience you don't really ever it's very rare that you're living by yourself mm-hmm. and oftentimes maybe freshman year it's a little different because you get you get paired with somebody but after that you get to pick who you're living with so it's <laughs> normally a friend yeah and that does bring up a lot of I thought I would love living with this person I thought it would be really smooth and really easy but uh, they leave the dishes in the sink they don't change the toilet paper roll like they leave their socks all over the place but just all sorts mm-hmm. of little transitions that happen in the course of a friendship or the course of a relationship that can have an effect on you, on your mood, on the way that you sort of perceive this friendship, on the way that you interact in the friendship. And I think, like I said earlier, there are the sort of obvious transitions, whether it's getting into a relationship and navigating how to be in a relationship with that person and how to navigate sort of your life outside of that relationship and then breakups or the ending of a relationship for whatever reason you know i think that that obviously brings up a lot of things for people that could be hard even if it's a breakup that you wanted and i want to recognize too that that transition like we talked about earlier it can be a positive thing it can be something that you wanted and yet it can still bring up difficult emotions and stress and a change in sort of that lifestyle that you might be used to and it can also be something that is celebrated you know that transition out of a relationship isn't always sort of that stereotypical sad crying eating ice cream out of the pint situation <laughs> So adding on to what you're just talking about, one of the last maybe obvious transitions in a relationship, and it's kind of touching back on the boundaries from last episode, is if you are maybe changing the relationship that you have with somebody based on boundaries and things that happened between you two. So for example, maybe not ending the friendship, but maybe now instead instead of this person being your best friend, maybe they're just like a regular friend and what that looks like because that could really take a toll on both of you and if the other person isn't really aware of what's going on and maybe you're more aware of what's going on it can take a really big toll on you too just because you're maybe sat more sad about how the relationship is changing and maybe the other person doesn't even know maybe they're not even aware of it yeah such a good point there's so many sort of um micro details that can change in the course of a friendship or a romantic relationship that might really impact you and you know you either don't know why or the other person doesn't know why and I think it all sort of ties in together to create this picture of how we're responding and how we're feeling Um, and I think that really perfectly bridges us to that idea of life transitions and how Mm -hmm. those can have such a big effect on us, whether it's the transition that a friend is going through or transition that we're going through. So when we talk about life transitions, we're talking about things that come along with getting older, you know, whether it's a change in interest or um, change in priorities, 
One thing that I see is people being in different phases of their life than their friends, right? So at a certain age, you know, you sort of see people um, moving in with a significant other or getting married or having kids. And not only does that change the schedule, you know, your friends might not be available all the time. Or you might not be available all the time. But I think it also... Can't be as spontaneous. Right. Yeah, yeah. There is that inability to be sort of like fly off the seat of your pants. Hey, let's go do this right now. But I think it does also cause people to sort of self-reflect a little bit. Like, why am I in this stage and my friend is in this stage? Or vice versa, right? So that idea of am I where I'm supposed to be in life and... Mm -hmm. comparing that to where your friends are in their lives so again I think we could do a whole entire episode on that but I just think that that brings up a lot of different emotions a lot of different feelings for some people I think too moving physically because Mm -hmm. that if you are maybe have a relationship with somebody and you're really close to them and then you have to pick up and move for whatever reason it can change the way that you guys interact on a day-to-day basis. If they were somebody who, you know, would come over every day and see you and now you can't physically see them anymore, it does make it a lot harder. It doesn't necessarily mean that the relationship has to end Mm -hmm. and it doesn't necessarily mean that it even has to change. You don't have to all of a sudden now be not as close. It's just that it's going to be different. So you have to make more of an effort to talk to them and interact with them in a way where you guys can still feel connected, even if you're not physically down the street like you used to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a change in that norm that you're used to, for sure. And I think that just brings up so much about how you interact and get along with that person, right? So for me, I I love talking to people face-to-face and the phone. If, If I'm interacting with somebody just over the phone, that's like a very different way of interacting you know like I'm used to seeing your body language I'm used to sort of reading your facial expressions so how I get to know somebody in a different way well it's harder too because if you're somebody who maybe struggles with social cues Mm -hmm. or any kind of personal interaction with somebody reading people and hearing reading their tone of voice Mm -hmm. most of what we're saying isn't necessarily coming out of our mouth right So it makes it a lot harder to pick stuff up Mm -hmm. uh, when you're not able to see them or hear how they're saying it. Because you can say hi so many different ways, right? You can come up to someone and be like, hey, they're probably sad. (laughs) But if they can't hear you, they're going to, they might think you're saying, hey. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so different, the different ways that you can say things. That can also be a whole another podcast. Oh yeah, absolutely. And for me too, personally, it's, it's also a change in conveying my message right I am a very gesticular Mm -hmm. person I talk with my hands I talk with my face like my body language so it's yeah it's also learning how to communicate and interact with that person and not being able to communicate in certain ways that I'm used to so I think that probably a lot are for what's that I said that's what emojis are for yeah (laughs) that's exactly oh my gosh I'm like the emoji queen it's embarrassing (laughs) um yeah, so it's it's definitely a transition in terms of how you interact in that relationship. I feel like I'm saying that a lot, interact, but I, I really think that transitions do change the way that we have to conduct ourselves in these situations and how we sort of get along and how we move forward in them. It's a test, too, to the relationship. So mm-hmm. often will I 
Well, I hear in any kind of transition really, or any big thing that kind of comes up that some people maybe didn't necessarily recognize how good this particular friend was until they saw how much they showed up for them or how much effort they put into their relationship. And then the other, the other part that I hear is I didn't really, I thought we were closer and that makes me sad because they're not showing up for me the way that I thought that they would. So I almost think sometimes, unfortunately, that the way that our friends show up in certain situations maybe sometimes has a harder impact on us than the situation itself. Yes, I feel like I'm going to have to think about that a little bit more, but I do agree that that support system and the way that those sort of pull through for you, that I think brings up, now that you mention it, a lot of feelings about sort of that quality of friendship and whether or not you were sort of perceiving the quality of that friendship the way that it really was or what that brings up. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think too, just with any kind of illness that we're struggling with, whether it's physical or mental, I think the the way that we get support from people really dictates how we're going to work through it. Mm -hmm. It might be harder if you don't perceive that you have as much support, and it might be a little easier if you feel like you do. Yeah, and I really love that you use the word perceive when you describe that because people's perception of that support is the important thing. It's, you know, you could have a million people there supporting you and if you don't feel or perceive that people are there helping you, then that's what you're going to respond to and that is what your experience is going to be. And you guys can't see me, but when Jade picked that word out, I had a really big smile on my face and I was <laughs> nodding my head like super big because... <laughs> That is exactly why I chose that word. It is, it's, it's all how we perceive it. And sometimes it's 100% accurate and sometimes it may be not as accurate, but it's how we're feeling and that's why it's true for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you said that. I think that this sort of flows nicely together in sometimes friendships that we hold really close change over time. And I think that that's sometimes because as we get older, our interests do change, right? And our priorities do change. A lot of times people focus more on advancing their careers. And a lot of times people focus on advancing their families or themselves. And I think that can really take people on down their own individual roads. And that is a really big life transition when you sort of find, hey, my interest is taking me this way and yours is taking you that way and how to navigate that change and how to navigate that new way of being in that relationship, whether that relationship continues or whether those roads take you to, you know, completely separate places in life. And it doesn't always have to be a sad ending, right? I think sometimes we may miss how it used to be, but it changed and it's maybe not that way anymore. And that relationship, even though it may be changed and it's, it might be sad, it might not be, but it, it might be sad because it changed. It doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't, it wasn't good while it was working in the way that it was working. It just that sometimes things come up and, it can't work that way anymore. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's an it's a new way of being, but not necessarily in a bad way. And I think that just to really specifically address some of the things that come up in these situations, we'll get into this a little bit more later, but it's important to be patient with yourself and to 
recognize that sadness and happiness can coexist, right? You can be happy that some of these changes are happening and also sad that that change is happening. I'm so glad you brought that up because it's so hard Mm -hmm. to feel two conflicting emotions at the same time. And so most of the time I hear people saying that they're confused or that that they're they're not necessarily giving themselves permission to have both feelings. Mm-hmm. So when you pick out that you can feel two very different things at the same time, it kind of almost offers relief, I think. Yeah, because yeah, transitions do bring up so much and it typically you would see multiple emotions, not just one. So yeah, like you said, give yourself permission to feel both of those things or multiple. And I think before we get into more um, of the different ways that we can work through some of these Mm -hmm. uh, transitions is just even acknowledging the daily transitions that we have because getting up in the morning, getting ready, getting to work, getting your kids to school, if you're a kid going to school, coming home, making dinner, I think all those little transitions can be a lot depending on who you are and what the transition is and what's going on in your life. Yeah. Again, those sort of micro details that seem normal. So they kind of get written off and day after day, I think that those little transitions and the tiny little stressors that come up with them do add up and have an effect on the bigger picture. And I think it's ironic that that's the one that we forgot to bring up (laughs) (laughs) while we were starting to talk about the different things that you can do to to kind of manage them. So now let's get into those. Well, in thinking about how to manage transitions, I think we touched on this a little bit, but really using those communication skills, you know, letting people know where you are at with things and what you're experiencing in these transitions and maybe even before getting to that step, just sort of recognizing in yourself what you're experiencing. Try and being honest with yourself. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, hey, this is a hard transition. Um, I'm having a hard time with it. I'm feeling really down. Or, you know, this is a really great transition and I'm excited, but I'm also stressed and I'm also a little sadder. Whatever it is you're experiencing to be able to sit with that and at least recognize your experience, even if you can't put a name to it, just to recognize it. I think accepting it too, right? Because even though it can be really frustrating sitting in that discomfort, nobody likes to feel that way. But if you're constantly trying to just be out of it and get through it already, it makes it hard to get to that place you want to be at because you're not in a sense giving yourself permission to feel that way we're humans we have feelings if you don't allow yourself to experience and accept where you are and you're constantly trying to be over it and in the next place Mm -hmm. you can't ever work through it to get to that place Yeah, you know, one of the things that come up for some of my clients are the passing of a loved one. And I always give them 
a little sort of handout of the grief cycle. And it's like mind blowing for a lot of them because they get to look at those different stages and then they feel okay sort of sitting in one of them and allowing themselves to experience that. And I think that that grief cycle can be applied to like all transitions, right? And allowing yourself to sit with those different feelings, those different stages and not feeling like you have to rush through them and just be done with that processing or grief or those feelings that you're experiencing. Not even just allowing, but accepting and letting yourself feel. Having compassion for yourself, I think, is is a big one. And, and letting yourself be okay that you're feeling that mm-hmm. way instead of trying to kind of get on yourself for feeling that way. So often, I think, we get mad at ourselves for having certain feelings about certain things. And so it's important to recognize that if you're feeling it, it's important. Mm-hmm. And that means something, something more maybe is there than you're letting yourself see. Yeah. Gosh, there's so many things that we're talking about that I'm thinking, oh my gosh, we could do a full episode on that. This is great. Um, and one of those things is that, like you said, if you're experiencing something, if you are noticing a pattern in yourself, there's a reason. And it's important to pay attention to those things. So uh, I think in essence, our minds and our bodies are really amazing at telling us what we need. And I think to add on to that too is then take care of yourself, right? Do the things that you need to do to get through it. So not even just allowing yourself to feel, but the, the next part of that is what are you going to do to let yourself feel it? Mm-hmm. Are you really upset and you just need to sit on the couch and watch TV? Really a favorite episode of yours that maybe makes you feel a little bit better and distracts you? Or are you in a space where you just need to feel it and you need to cry it out or you need to be angry? Are you in a space where you need to physically have a connection with somebody because you're you're having a hard time. So I need a hug or I need to go on a walk with somebody and talk to them or I need to FaceTime them and have a conversation that's maybe a little bit deeper than we were talking about before. So all the different things that maybe you're needing and maybe it's going to be different at each phase that you're at. So if you're maybe angry, what you're needing when you're angry is going to be different or what you're needing when you're sad Mm -hmm. or what you're needing when you're happy. So all these different things are going to maybe have an impact on you at different points. Yeah, to have sort of a number of things to choose from, whether that's getting in touch with somebody who you feel could support you or just taking time to yourself. And one of the things that I have sort of on my list of things to help manage this is having sort of a pause button and just saying, all right, I just need to pause, take a break, whether it's I'm going to take an hour and figure this out and figure out what I need, or I'm going to take some time and not think about it at all. You know, where do you fall on that spectrum of what you need? And one of the things that you said, Allison, having a number of things that you could choose from and picking what you need in that specific situation. When I'm working with kids, I often create a little box with them and we put all these different like stress balls or sensory items or 
coloring books or things that will help them feel good in a difficult situation. And so they can just kind of go to that box and choose from that box what they need in that moment. And I think that as adults, that's something that we can do too, you know, get a little shoe box and decorate it up or tissue box and make it look how you want it and throw in some ideas of things that make you feel good. And then when you need to, pull something out of the box. Maybe you need to go for a run or do some yoga or get some ice cream or talk to a friend. Just have that toolbox ready to go to pull from. Something that came up for me when you were talking about that that I, I often hear is none of that is working. So I don't really think that it's something that's going to help. And I think something to recognize in yourself is that none of the things that, that maybe make you feel a little bit better are going to fix the problem that you're experiencing or the transition that you're going through, no matter how you're feeling about it, it's not going to make it go away. So it's not about all of a sudden doing one of these things and feeling better. It's about doing these things because they make you smile or they're offering some kind of relief from what's happening so that it is easier to manage and it's not as overwhelming. Going on a run doesn't necessarily make losing somebody better, right? That that's never going to be the case. It's always going to be sad and it's okay to be sad, but going on a run might distract you so you get a moment of relief from it because it's important that you're not in it all of the time and to give yourself a break. And sometimes when we're going through something really difficult, we need a moment to think. And so having time away from thinking is also important because then, then you might maybe find when you're coming back to it, you might find you're looking at it in a different way or that something popped up that you didn't even think about before because you gave yourself that little break. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think too, sort of imagining if a friend of yours were in a similar situation, what might you suggest for them? Or how would you have compassion for them and hold that same compassion for yourself? I think a lot of times we have higher expectations for ourselves and how we should be handling certain situations. So sort of imagining somebody else in your situation often allows us to have that compassion for ourselves and say, oh yeah. Yeah, this is a transition. This is difficult. I can allow some patience with myself. And it's okay to ask for help. We don't always have all of the answers, mm -hmm. right? If you're struggling and you don't know how to solve something, it's okay to talk to somebody and maybe not even asking them to come up with ways to fix it or work through it, but maybe even just talking and having someone listen can help you see it in a way that maybe makes more sense. And all of a sudden, you know exactly how, what you're going to do. Yeah, another thing branching off that is to talk to a therapist, right? That's another way to get that help in a um, sort of a neutral place. You know, sometimes it is the case where we're going through something and friends and families might have opinions about it. And so, you know, if you have a therapist or if you're thinking about seeking therapy, transitions are a time when a lot of people do come to therapy. That's something that I see pretty often because they are a big deal. So talk to a friend, talk to a therapist, talk to a family member if that's something that you feel like will be helpful for you. Also, if you're not maybe necessarily 
thinking that you're in a space where you want to go to therapy or you're ready to try therapy. Coming up with a plan of attack can be a good place to start working toward figuring out how you want to handle your situation because oftentimes when we get into a place and we're stressed out about it or we're worrying about it nonstop, we're not really going anywhere. Have you? There's that quote, um, worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it never gets you anywhere. Have you guys ever heard of that quote before? I don't remember who it's by, but when we, when we're sitting and we're worrying about something and we're just kind of, all we're doing is thinking about it, we aren't really going anywhere. And the whole purpose of that feeling of being worried is to help you get that motivation to move forward. So if you can kind of sit and look at the situation and figure out how you're going to attack it. Maybe, you know, you are trying to decide what school you're going to go to, or you're trying to decide if your career is the best fit for you. Making a list of all the concerns you have. And if you feel like you can do anything about each one. So can you research it, find out the value or maybe not the value in it? And what can you do about that particular thing? Is there something that you can take action on? Is there something you can't take action on? Because really, if there's nothing you can do about it, you can't really make it move forward. So looking at the stuff that you do have the ability to take action on and create goals around can kind of help you make some movement. Yeah, really good point. Am I sort of stressing and having this anxiety over something that I can take action on? Or is it sort of about accepting my feelings and working through them? Because some stuff you're not going to be able to, right? Like if you have a breakup, that's not necessarily something that you can take action on. But what you can do is be kind to yourself and let yourself feel what you're feeling and maybe not take as much on that during that time period. You know, maybe don't go to this big party with a friend and hang out if you just got dumped. Maybe you wanted to stay at home and take an easy night, but maybe going to that party is going to be what you need. It kind of just depends on who you are. Yeah, absolutely. So I hope we've given some tips and suggestions that are going to be helpful for you. Um, Before we wrap up, one thing that is totally off topic, kind of on topic actually, um, is we wanted to address the fires that are happening in California and provide some resources that you can look to if you're looking to donate to the help that is being provided for getting these fires under control and for the people that have been affected by them. This is a huge transition for a lot of people in a lot of ways, whether it's the people that have been affected by them or the people that are out there helping to get this under control or even the families of the people who have gone out to provide some help. And then of course the smoke that has been in the area, um, worse in some place than others for sure, but it's just brought up a lot of things for a lot of people. So we wanted to sort of address that. Um, We've come up with a couple different places that uh, you can look into if you're looking to donate. One of them is the California Community Foundation's Wildfire Relief Fund. Um, Another is the California Fire Foundation. And then also Airbnb is looking for people who are willing to open up their homes or a room in a home for the people who 
have been displaced by the fires. So those are just a few different places that we found. We will link to those resources as well as some other sites that you can look at that will list out the different places taking donations and what type of donations they are looking for. Did you want to add anything to that, Allison? The other thing, too, for those of us who are maybe not directly in the fire but are experiencing the smoke, if you go to uh, airnow.gov, you can look in your zip code and kind of check where you are. And if, if the air is in a healthy place or in an unhealthy place and maybe decide what you're going to do with that information. So if it's super unhealthy, maybe not maybe not go on that hike that you wanted to go on, mm-hmm. maybe not be outside, maybe make sure that you're inside. Some people who are sensitive to the smoke, maybe you have asthma or maybe you're a small child or uh, somebody that has an illness, making sure that you're wearing a mask. And I know they look kind of silly and some people might think it's ridiculous, but it, if it's going to help you be more healthy and help you maybe not have those side effects, then it's going to be something that is going to be beneficial for you. Yeah. So on that note, I did a little bit of research and the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health recommends masks that are rated N95 or P100. Those are the ones that are said to filter out that smoke. So if you are going to use a mask, those are the ones that are recommended. Again, not recommended by us because that's not our area but in the research i've done that's what the national institute for occupational safety and health recommends so with that being said we still want to give our tips for ways to improve your life or bring a little positivity to your life so mine is going to start in the morning so my suggestion is to try and wake up you know five minutes early and Take that time for yourself to do something that you enjoy before you jump into that getting ready process. It's tough when our alarm goes off and then we jump into getting ready and we go to work and then we have a full day. So to take that 5-10 minutes to do something nice for yourself and start your day out on the right foot, whether it's you know having a relaxing cup of tea or taking a couple extra minutes in the shower to enjoy that warm water. Sorry, environmentalists. I know that's not the most drought-friendly <laughs> suggestion. Um, but to just provide a little self-care for yourself in the morning before you rush into that getting ready. Start your day off on a positive note. And mine is for ending your day on a positive note. I know that for a lot of you, it is really difficult to look at the day and see the good parts of it. So something that is helpful to be able to do that, and also it's a really good conversation starter, is to go around the table and look at one rose and one thorn. So the thorn obviously being maybe the difficult part of your day and then the rose being the good part, the part that was not so bad, the part that was awesome. It, it, it helps you kind of see where everybody is, but it also helps you kind of reflect and see the balance of what's going on and not focusing on one or the other. Yeah, that's good. I think both of these sort of tie into other suggestions that we've given in previous episodes. So to allow that time and space for yourself, both at the beginning 
and the end of the day. You know, the goal is to fit in those little moments of self-care and recognition of where you are in your day, in your life, in those transitions, and where other people are in those transitions in their day-to-day as well. Anything you want to add? No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I feel like that concludes our episode. Yeah. So on that note, we are going to wrap up our episode three, and we want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening to our podcast. If you have any comments, any topics that you want to hear about in particular, we love your comments. We love your feedback. So feel free to give us a shout with any of those comments or suggestions, and we look forward to talking with you next Monday. Have a good one.